swagger on point when I step in Signs in the air for the gang that you repping Don't get brave when I'm stepping in the rave If you show my love, everything's okay So for a lively rave to have fun in If there ain't girls in the place, we ain't coming Middle finger up to the Jake, stepping in with the gang Please tell the police they can't come in Show me a salute, that's gang Pure love for the crew, that's gang Don't trash shit if you ain't gonna bang Just show man a sign if you're down for the gang Show me a salute, that's gang Pure love for the crew, that's gang Don't trash shit if you ain't gonna bang Just show man a sign if you're down for the gang Welcome back, Juventini, to the Juventini Tab Back to Black and White podcast. My name is Daniel Negro, and I'm live from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And uh, today we're going to be going over the uh, preview of the Coppa Italia final versus Napoli, which is going to be happening, obviously, tomorrow. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's going to be hopefully an interesting final. Um, Last game was very interesting. I know it was the first game. It was a start. But, uh, yeah, let's – and also, again, I have another uh, new guest, new face. Uh, we're on the trot. I think it's three on the trot now for new, new opinions, new voices. So, uh, but before I get before I introduce my guest uh, again, uh, if you guys could smash the subscribe button, I know you guys. It's been pretty uh, pretty cool to see all the followers, you know, retweeting and uh, commenting and stuff like that. So, you guys could please smash the subscribe, drop drop a like um, and a comment. What you guys liked, what you guys didn't like, uh, different opinions whatever and click if you want to get the notifications so that you can hear it obviously when the next one comes out please hit the bell beside the subscribe um also also if you're an itunes or spotify listener subscribe obviously those will pop up whenever they are uploaded they usually take a couple hours to come up just because of their protocol but um and yeah just keep up to date we're going to be Doing a lot this summer and into next year because I believe the uh, the season's going to start on the 12th. So there's going to be a lot of content, a lot of podcasts, a lot of new guests, and then we'll get into a rotation. So, but uh, without further ado, me keep going on. Uh, we have a Juve uh, fan, obviously again from the WhatsApp group, Juan Pablo from uh, Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. Pleasure to be here. An honor. First first time in the podcast. Yeah, so again, you know, we're, uh, I believe, like I said, three times on the trot. We like to hear uh, new stories, new opinions, but uh, what uh, what uh, made you become a Juve fan? Well, uh, well, my parents' side of the family has always, uh, has a heritage of Italian family, and well, that inclined to always following the Suri, the, the Italian national team. And when I was young, circa 2004, 2005, I, I decided I had to choose a, a site in, in Serie So I investigated a little bit with, through the, the, the teams in Serie And I like the history of, of Juventus, uh, the philosophy they always had, and how they were always close to su- su- successful Italian national teams. Like, you know the the fidanza d'Italia, the, the famous 
Yeah, Nickname exactly. Yeah. Do um, it. Do you have any uh, any particular family rivalries, or is it all all UV fans? Um, because of the, like the family origins are from Rome. My my father actually likes Rome, Roma. Okay. Yeah. So, but I'm the more intense Serie A club fan in, in the family life. You would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because I have family. It seems like everywhere. So, um, obviously, on my mom's side, more again to, closer to Rome. So I have her uncle's a Rome fan, but then her cousin, which is obviously uh, her uncle's son, is is a Lazio fan, and his <laughs> and his son is also a Lazio fan. And then again, wide variety. I know there, I have a, an uncle who's a Who's a Merda fan? There's uh, <laughs> there's lots. I have I think I have a cousin who's a Merda fan. A couple Juve fans as well, you know. So it's all over the board for me as well. But uh, yeah, it's um, I loved it. I love that fact, and I think that was kind of that's a good point. Like you said, Juve being so close to the Italian national team, and I think that's something we've got kind of away from. But it was always nice seeing your players obviously represent the country and you know especially when you look at the 2006 team where you know i was still i was kind of uh how old was i i think 10 12 years old but honestly it was probably one of the best uh experiences internationally (laughs) at least right so that was surreal but um yeah that's a that's a great story and um obviously you said uh you have family uh so is it you were obviously born in Bolivia or and obviously yeah. your family emigrated from from yeah, it's like a, a third generation backwards that it was uh, the, the heritage oh, okay. Okay. so yeah. not 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 contact close but there's the still the heritage and the tradition but yeah no not not too close to to the country right, right. now yeah, no, yeah. I, I know there's a there was a big uh emigration from obviously italy obviously everywhere north america south america right but um yeah that's always good to hear uh and let's get right into the news might as well um so i'm pretty sure everyone's heard of the you know that special drop that that box kit that came out (laughs) that i'm gonna still i'm gonna put it to rest but apparently it sold out the flop sold out Really? I don't know who's buying it. Um, I guess there was only 500 pieces, so really, you can't. Uh, it's kind of an easy <laughs> feat to do. Yeah. But um, then apparently they ended up on eBay. You know, some people trying to make some uh, some make bank some off of them. Yeah. <laughs> they did that with the 120th uh, anniversary. And if there's any, if there's any loyal Juve fans that did that and bought those jerseys and were selling them for 500 and 750 euros, shame on you. But uh, yeah, I'm still pretty uh, butthurt about that one. But anyways, um, yeah, no, they sold out. But I don't know. I don't know That's what was the surprising. hype. Yeah. What did you think about what do you have? What do you think about the obviously the new jerseys and the this obviously the ultra boost that have been rumored? I know it's been talked about quite a bit. Yeah, about the, the locker room edition, I was yeah. like, <laughs> uh, it's a desperate move from from you to make some more money, I guess. But 
Yeah. On the Ultraboost, I, I, I actually like them. I, I, I like the, the kind of Adidas sneakers. I use them a lot, but uh, once I, I can buy some, I think I'm, I'm going to go for it. Even though it's not the traditional colors, uh, the, especially that orange, but they're, in my opinion, they actually look good. Yeah, uh, I think I think they're a great shoe. Like I have a whole, I have about two, three pairs of like different, obviously different colorways and stuff like that. But I'm surprised they just didn't do anything earlier. Um, and in black and white, like this ultra shirt. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It's weird what Adidas is doing. They're not making me very happy as of late. I mean, they had some great shirts, but what can you do? Um, obviously coming up Champions League, uh, fixtures looking to be finalized. The executive meetings on the 17th. So tomorrow we're going to find out what they're, uh, what they're concocting and, uh, see what they come up with. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward from what everyone's uh, been kind of discussing. Obviously mid July, they'll have a draw for the final eight. And then around August 7th or 8th, we'll have the, uh, the round of 16 second legs that haven't been finished. I believe there's about four or five. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously that'll be in Turin. That's kind of been confirmed. I guess tomorrow will be the nail in the coffin if it happens or not. And then obviously the next games will happen on the August 12th, 15th is being rumored quarterfinal for only one leg and uh, August 18th through 19th semifinal one leg. And then obviously the final will be, uh, on August 23rd, which was a little bit uh, closer than what they had per- what people were saying, obviously the 29th or the 30th, but it's going to be from what we're hearing, the 23rd in Lisbon. All of the ev- the quarterfinal, semifinal, and final will all happen in Lisbon, and the 2021 CL final is going to look to be in Istanbul. So they're going to make that up for it next year, and then obviously the teams that we're bidding for next year get pushed back, but. Um, yeah, what do you think? What 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 were your thoughts about that on the one leg one leg games? I know we're kind of a that's kind of a bogey for us, but yeah. Well, first I think UEFA did did their best to actually finish the competition, yeah. <laughs> especially taking into account that the bigger leagues are also t- trying to to finish their seasons right now. The Germany uh, Premier League. Well, it's going to restart soon, and uh, La Liga and Serie already played their seasons. Uh, so that's that's what they had to do. But the, as you said, one leg um, uh, eliminations and knockouts for for UA, especially with Sarri, who <laughs> who we're not sure even now. It's kind of dangerous, right? Because it's actually why I'm really. Uh, expect in really expectation for for tomorrow's game because I think the result we get tomorrow could actually mean a lot for the rest of the season the, in the emotional and mental level for the for the team. Especially, it will be uh, the, the second final that Sarri would win in his career after the Europa League with Chelsea because the one with the Super Copa it, it was lost uh, against Lazio uh, and that actually had an impact in the team. So it will be a strange finish to the Champions League, but 
I think we have to take advantage that the, the team is going to have some some mileage in their in their legs in difference to what uh, Bayern Munich is going to have because they're going to have the their season season finished in a couple of weeks I think if I'm not wrong and so they have they're going to have an, a stop between the finish of the league and the the start of the Champions League. So I think that would benefit us and La Liga and Premier League sides. But let's see. It will be a, a pretty strange Champions League. A pretty, If we end up winning, it will be a, a pretty weird one to win. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, uh, yeah, just with the one legs. But yeah, you took the, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, well, even Bayern today, they've clinched the title, right? So... Now even the next couple of weeks might not. Maybe they'll use it as a tune-up, but it doesn't really mean anything, anyways. Correct. So, um, exactly. what do you, do you do? You think that's more of an advantage? So obviously, you think us playing right before it starts is going to give us that advantage? Because, like I've been asking everyone, you know, who, what's going to be, you know, not necessarily the best way, but Leon could be. Who knows? They could just play one game and sit back win. and win right or whatever yeah. blitz us and like just we'll get thrown off guard because we've been playing so many games right but you know i guess there's no really proven answer until obviously august but um so you think uh obviously playing until the end there is going to give us an advantage over let's say a team like bayern or obviously some of the french teams yeah well as you said it has their its pros and cons right because yeah. Yeah, they're gonna be rested, but maybe too rested, like <laughs> coming out from the the, the pandemic. So uh, Lyon is gonna be a, a good test for that. They're gonna be only training between themselves until the the game against us. So and it's gonna be a match where we have to play it all. <laughs> we have yeah. to score and win that game. It's a must. So it will be a good test to, to show if it's really going to be an advantage for us or it's going to be something detrimental. Right. But I I think it's going to play for us. I hope I'm right in this one. Yeah, let's see what happens. And looking towards, obviously, this final, it looks like Hilini, Higuain, Demeral, and obviously Ramsey are going to be traveling uh, to Rome. You know, obviously, it's a final, right? If we end up winning, it would be you're you're gonna want to be there as a player, even though if uh, it looks like yeah. the the first three that I said probably are very unlikely to play. Um, Ramsey has a slightly better chance, but I don't think Sari's gonna risk him, uh, and that's kind of what's been reported in the news. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, Gazzetta dello Sport is reporting that Serie A could restart on September 12th, so kind of a quick turnaround. Uh, it's going to be interesting at the, when that time comes out. Everything's going to be played. Obviously, the Euros being next summer as well. Um, I want to get into, obviously, a transfer that's obviously affecting both of the clubs that are going to be playing tomorrow. Um, obviously, Milik has agreed to personal terms. It's been kind of s- cited. So, five mil per season. And, um, yeah. Uh, what do you think about that move? I think it's I, I I don't think we should be for a player that's going to be at forty million around maybe more. I don't think it's worth. I think we got to look at the midfield. But anyways, Juan Pablo, your opinion on the Milik rumors? I agree on the uh, on the 
if it was for a, for a cheaper kind of deal, I would be all in because although Milik has injury dubs, he has he's already had two knee injuries while at Napoli. Um, he does has the talent and the technicality, I, in my opinion, but the wages and the fee seem a bit much for a player that, in my opinion, I think it would be a backup striker. I don't think he's going to come in to be the, the main man in attack. I think, uh, especially with what we've seen against Milan, uh, it seems like Sarri wants to use Ronaldo in that number nine main striker position. So, yeah. Uh, Milik would come to to be a backup, so five million a season with a fee of around 40, 50 mil seems a bit much. But in on the bright side, I think if he comes as a backup, it could be a, a kind of stepping stone till we hit we get a younger, uh, higher rated striker, one like Gabriel Jesus, Haaland, whose names have all circling around but not for now but for the future so if we could get a swap deal they i was reading some reports that said bernardeski plus 20 mil for milik <laughs> that could be better right yeah i don't know i just i think napoli will be tough napoli will be a tough team to bargain with and it's just a lot of money like right now it's a lot of money like I know they're saying Zaniolo, 60, 70 million. I would rather even spend that, even though we probably won't, because it's just, right now, it's very financially uh, difficult to talk about any deals right now. So, um, And then, obviously, Arthur, is, he's still refusing. And it's just like, honestly, to me, it's just like, fuck the deal. Get the 60, get the 60 70 million for Pjanic, if that's what they want. And just leave it at go. that. Because why are we why are we pushing this so hard? It's it's killing me. Like I don't know. What do you think, Juan Pablo? <laughs> <laughs> in in the media, it's almost said that Art, uh, Juventus is begging Arthur to come to go to Turin, and that's that's not a good look. No, nowhere. Uh, so plus today he started. There were uh, reports were saying that he was going to be benched until he, he accepted the, the move. But today he started in a game for Barcelona. So I agree with you. Either sell Pjanic to Barcelona, PSG, Chelsea, whoever wants him and, and use that money to, to buy a better midfielder. Yeah. I think it's just they don't, have, they don't, want, to, they don't want to pay cash, right? That's kind of Does why that's, they're looking for the swap. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I get we got to get rid of Pjanic, but it's... It's just, it's not looking good in that deal. I just hope, I don't, I hope we get, find something else and we can, we can look over. But anyways, let's get into this match right now, this Coppa Italia final. Obviously, this is going to be Juve's 19th Coppa Italia final. Obviously, 13 of them we've won so far. And possibly could be the fifth in six years if we do win tomorrow, hopefully. Um, Kind of a new thing, match will go to penalties. PKs, if it ends in a draw, there's not going to be any extra time, even though it's a final. Um, just for all of your, uh, all the viewers' kind of uh, knowledge, it's going to be at 9 p.m. Central European Standard Time. Um, obviously, 1 p.m. Mountain Time, where I am. Noon Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. 
And uh, yeah, I couldn't. Re- I actually it was funny because I looked on the projection of where Bolivia was, and I was like, I did not realize South America was that far. When you were telling me it was Eastern before uh, to pick a time, obviously to do this podcast. Uh, it's crazy how the time, uh, the time, uh, the time zones, zones are uh, are drawn. But um, yeah, so um, kind of some words that Sari has been putting out there, obviously in his uh, his pre-match uh, press conference. Um, he talked about the intensity and still thinks that really the five days isn't going to be a massive jump. Uh, there's still going to be difficult moments and it's going to be tough mentally and tactically and kind of we're just going to have to, you know, get through it, be as good as we can and, um, you know, try and win the game, right? He's also <laughs> talked about the um, the position of the attackers and them being more defensive than attacking and... We, because we can't play uh, the role of a central striker, right? Because obviously he's put Ronaldo there, but it didn't really look good. And now there's also been reports, which we'll get into later, that we're going to be using the same formation. So, um, But he's also said that there's there's freedom to move up top, which obviously we want to see, and we want to see them obviously moving or getting into open space, you know, passing obviously in the kind of the triangle formation that sorry likes to employ quick passes uh but uh, what do you think what did you think about uh sorry's thoughts kind of he said so obviously he talked also about not winning any any uh anything important as well i know that was talked about but uh, he's talked about him being uh promoted for i believe it was eight eight different times so yeah what's yeah. your thoughts <laughs> Well, on the on the formation and the that uh, attacking uh, spots, it's like if we're not playing Iwain, we don't have a real number nine, a real definite striker. So I think what he was trying to say is like uh, he's gonna try what he did with Napoli using Mertens as a false nine, in which uh, you you always saw him drift uh, to to the to the white sides. Connect with Insigne and wait for Callihan to to run in through through the middle of the of the box. So I think he's he will try to do the same, like uh, well saving the differences. But what Barcelona did with Pep Guardiola, right? <laughs> that they had a, a consistent systematic formation until the final third. Where in the final third everyone started moving and and moved freely. If you if you would. So, and we, as you said, we, we saw Ronaldo play as a number nine in, in the match against Milan and Dybala going to the right and Douglas going to the left, but they were always interchanging positions. So I think we don't have a definite formation. It's a 4-3 and whatever in the, in the final third right. formation. Right. So I think that's, that's just the, the Sarri style. Hope that the players can interpret it right. Yeah, and I know there was a there was a lot of talk on, you know, on last game about what the is there was a talk a lot of talk about the tactics. Let's say, and a lot of people are saying that there isn't really any. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there's pretty clear tactics on how they want to play. Um, 
I find which uh, another sticking point was the the movement off the ball, and I find that there's our, our players are waiting quite a bit, and not necessarily jelly. And I noticed this has been a thing, obviously going back into the previous, uh, if you want to call it first half for the first part of the season. It didn't seem like there was like in the first forty, well, we'll say thirty minutes. It seemed like everything was clicking. There was a lot of good passing, a lot of connections. Obviously, we didn't score, but um, the passes were there. But I find that it got to a point where it just seemed like everyone was lacking ideas. They didn't know where to go, who to make the run. Okay, I have the ball now. Let me wait. And that's kind of a big problem. I've noticed why we're not necessarily scoring a lot of goals and uh, creating a lot of chances. Obviously, there was obviously we had a lot of shots. You know, that's something that's different than Allegri's teams. Allegri's teams would go the whole game without having one shot on goal. You know, this team's having shots, but they're not particularly uh, dangerous. I, dangerous at all. I mean, there. I believe it was. I want to say seven shots on target, seven or eight last game. Um, but again, there was really only. If you want to count the penalty, and then maybe Matuidi's chance were the really two sticking, you know, strong chances that we had to score. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, I th- again, the wingers. I've heard some people saying Danilo and Alexandro di- played well. Some people say Alexandro didn't play well at all, or Danilo also didn't play well at all. I think they did a pretty good job. Um, you know, Alexandro, I find has been getting his bad rap where he's not necessarily running uh into great sp- spots or he's maybe sticking to closer to maybe where the mid the midfield are and where Matuidi is but I think for me it's just not necessarily him needing to bomb up the wing all the time I think he knows and I think a lot of people are not understanding that he knows kind of his defensive role as well whereas I think maybe the Medzala should be moving into that space and helping the winger out instead of our left back because I think as we as it looked, we were getting obviously caught out a lot of a lot of times against Milan and they were countering us pretty easily with numbers and they had a guy they had a guy sent off so it's uh, definitely interesting. What kind of your, what were your thoughts on the last game? Well, you, you make a good point on the fullbacks. Uh, well, we have a, a special situation, if you could say so, with the fullbacks in, in starter. We only have uh, three proper fullbacks, one being Alexandro, Danilo, and, and De Siglio. And you can take out De Siglio out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, well, we'll have uh, to use them. We'll have to use them at some yeah. point. I know that. I mean, again, the guy has the skill he has, right? You can't blame him for that, right? We brought yeah. him in, so it's kind of... That's why I say it's it's our own fault, right? You can only give the guy so much shit because he's only as talented as he is. But anyways, well, yeah, it's... Yeah, no. But uh, as you said, I, I thought Danilo played a good match. Uh, this, Me too. Very in well. comparison to, to what his first uh, six months in, in the team were, uh, he, he was solid at defense. He made some good runs uh, through the through the attack, and I think Alexandra, like you said, uh, the whole left side of the of the field of the team is is quite uh, uh, particular, I would say, because you have Matuidi who who runs like a horse, but with no 
particular direction right <laughs> with no no particular objective then you have a ronaldo drifting into to the box and leave alexander to cover all the the defensive side of the of of that pitch of that part on the left side and so he he can't burst into attack like he used to and last season with the last season of allegri you could see that most of the goals conceded on the champions league were on the left side because he he actually was uh, intended to to connect to with ronaldo in the attack and left the, the left side undiscovered and and led to to some silly goals. You could see the ones right. against eight Ajax and and that. So I think he's focusing more on the defensive side, and that's why he's not as flashy as he was. But he's doing a, a great job, especially if he's the only left back on the on the team, the proper left back. Yeah, I, I think I think he's playing. He, he was played a lot too, and I mean, uh, I know we talked about it last last uh, last podcast with uh, Felix. And yeah, it's it's I don't know. I, I, I feel for the guy. I think I think he's done a pretty good job. I mean, I think it's too easy again to say we can replace players on the wing uh, or on the fullback side of the things, the left or the right. And I mean, yeah, Telus went to PSG for twenty five million, but I mean it's always easier said than done with these deals, right? We spent I believe it was forty million for Alexandro or around somewhere in the 30s but it's not easy and then to get a guy that's reliable as well on the defensive end i think i think he's we got to keep the guy he's 29 his salary is only about 5 million i think a year which is not expensive at all for uh for what we're getting and i just think it's i i think when you have guys like uh, matuidi and kadira and let's say maybe not Bentancourt, but Pjanic and stuff like that, to get kind of that creativity and that movement, you know, if they're not, if the mids and the the attackers are not kind of uh, gelling well, it's kind of, it doesn't really matter if Alexandro's bombing up the left side or not, right? Like, there's not really any movement anyways. So you can't really give the guy shit for not, like, you know, and then maybe defensively opening something up for on us on that left wing where we get exploited, so... Well, if he's gonna bomb up, and then you know you have Matuidi and Pjanic kind of next to each other passing the ball, and they get picked, then they're down on down the field on us with a great opportunity. So I think it's more of a matter of we need to fix this midfield before we really look, start critiquing the the fullbacks. You know, you got to remember those guys are going all the way up and all the way down, and I think you know if we have to give a little bit on that left side, and you look at last year, I mean. Everyone's talking about this cross it in the box type style, and it's like, well, we did that last year, and we got like, it seemed like we just kept we kept putting the ball in, and no one was there. It was like put the ball and put the ball and put the ball in. I have no problem with going, I have no problem going up the middle, and obviously using the flanks when you have to, but the like I said, the the main problem I see is you have guys that are just standing there. It was good in the first thirty minutes. Matuidi was actually making good runs. Bentegor was making good runs. And obviously you could have Pjanic who sits back there and he, and he was, you know, distributing. And obviously guys were moving around, making good passes. But once that movement stops, we're screwed. Right? Because then totally. it's just like, 
that is just static and they can easily just decide, okay, well, they're going to go there. They're going to go there and make it really difficult and sit back like they did and have a guy down. And then also, you know, uh, be able to not obviously let a goal in. So I think it's, I think we'll, I think we're going to figure it out. I don't like kind of how Ronaldo was playing centrally. I uh, wasn't a big fan of that because, like we were talking, me and Felix were talking about last time, and a lot of people have been saying it. They can essentially just jam the middle, and uh, you know it doesn't really. If he's not going to move consistently, then there's really no point of him being. Uh, not at his age now. It's especially you can't you can't have him not move around. It just doesn't. It's not going to work. Um, but you know, that's kind of a, I think that kind of wraps up last game. Um, you know, I got a, not necessarily a question, but a request from obviously Felix of last podcast. And he kind of wanted us to talk about the history, history of the rivalry, you know, the North versus South. And, you know, it's not necessarily, I mean, some people say it's a huge rivalry. If you talk to Napoli fans, they'll, they'll think so, but, um, you know, kind of the age-old question, is Napoli truly a rival, you know, up kind of, uh, you would say, maybe not necessarily on the same level as Merida, but somewhere near. What, what's what's your opinion on that? Do you think Napoli is truly a rival, or are they just a team that have really been, you know, improving in the last few years? But we'll get in, obviously, into the history, and I'll kind of spit some facts out, but kind of <laughs> before we get into that, um, what's, your, uh, what's your opinion on Napoli as being a rival to us? Well, as you properly said, I think it's a it's a bigger rivalry for Napoli than it is for for Juve. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> because they don't have a <laughs> a big rival; they don't have it naturally in in their region, so um, they have to to look for a big rival. Big rival. So <laughs> they got Juve, and I think it all started, as you said, looking on the historic side uh, with the rivalry that it was made of uh, Maradona and Platini. It, I guess it all started there, and well, in in last couple of years, Napoli was the the biggest rival for the league uh, to Juve in in this excellent dominating period of Serie A we're yeah. we're going through. So that were the were the rivalry sparked a little bit, but I think it goes a little with the culture and the social economic uh, background there is between North and South of, of Italy. Like, Juve represents the, the North style of, of Italy and yeah. Napoli represents the well-lived fun style of, of the South. <laughs> yeah, the, the more Latin. Does. Yeah, you're yeah. you're doing you're doing you're doing my job for me, uh, Juan Pablo. <laughs> but yeah, no, exactly. Um, Turin, you could say, is more of a, and obviously the north more wealthy, affluent. You could say Napoli, obviously, more of a working class. Obviously, Turin is in the north. I think believe they're about five hundred miles apart, and Napoli's in the south. Um, but yeah, like you said, exactly. Nineteen eighties, Maradona comes on the uh, onto the scene. They pick him up, and um, obviously he leads them to their first uh, Scudetto, which was obviously over Juve by three points, I believe. Uh, the previous year, Juve won the title, um, and they were six points ahead of Napoli, so they kind of had... But yeah, like you said, it is a big socioeconomic um, 
uh, and a lot of it, when you look at even racism in Italy, and I know I'm not going to touch too much on that because that's a huge topic and, you know, a lot of different opinions about that. And, but, you know, that's kind of a, you know, a main sticking point is this, what they like to call campanalismo. And um, if you guys have a chance, the gentleman ultra on uh, online, he's got a very good like story about talking about the rivalry North South between obviously Juve and Napoli. So check that out when you get a chance. But he brings up this point called Campanalismo, which obviously, if you know, a camp- Campanile is a bell tower in Italian. And it's pretty much just the definition of like a fervent uh, patriot- patriotism locally, right? So, you know, if you've, if you've looked into the history of Italy, it's been fragmented for obviously, you know, you've had the Romans, but even in between that period and where we are now, it's not like Italy's been this one country through <laughs> through the years, right? And it's been fragmented, I would say, about until obviously 1861, which was the unification into the Kingdom of Italy, and then we, we get into a little bit of a breakup there, and then obviously the Republic is founded, um, which actually was in the beginning of June, uh, the day uh, that's celebrated. Um, so collective identity of all these towns in Italy was the uh, the civil pride, right? So, obviously, you had all these civil states, Milan, obviously, so the House of Savoy, Firenze, uh, Siena, and again, Venice. they were... Yeah, exactly, Venice, Genoa, uh, obviously, Napoli, and the South, right? So, they're, they're all fighting, they're all killing each other, and for, what, hundreds, maybe thousands of years... So, you know, and then there's a lot of talk about territorial discrimination. And I mean, to me, I think it's just, it's, it's a lot of banter. Again, like I said, they've been killing and fighting and disputing on whose land is who for thousands of years. So to take that into account, there's a lot of, I would say, you know, vitriol between different states, even close, like in the north, in the central parts of Italy, you know, not just a north-south. Obviously, that became a thing uh, later on because of, obviously, the disparity of uh, uh, economically. But, um, you know, there'd be, obviously, there's banter back and forth, right? Juve, a lot of Juve fans will talk about, obviously, the mob, and uh, they'll talk about Vesuvius and and cholera, which is a a big thing. Um, And then, obviously, they like to call us Gobi, which is humpbacks. which means humpbacks in English. And that kind of started, I believe, because of the... Well, there's a few kind of reasons why, but I believe the actual uh, founding of it was because of the... Uh, I believe in the 50s, a jersey that we wore was kind of like didn't fit on the necks. So it kind of looked like they had hunchbacks. Obviously, there's things about guys working in the Fiat factories and them breaking their backs so they're like hunched over. But again different things and obviously there was a mass migration um from the south because obviously the north is where a lot of the industry is in italy and that's where all the jobs were so a lot of those southerners um became fans of juve because obviously they worked in the fiat factory and you know you have that kind of loyalty right and they're obviously one of the biggest teams and they've been doing well for you know since we started right (laughs) so you know, it's kind of, it would be easy. But then there was also a lot of people called Teroni, which means a peasant, 
which is obviously a derogatory term for Southern Italians. And, you know, so we go, they go back and forth. I mean, whether people want to look at it as the same way as, as racism, I mean, that's up for debate, but they've obviously, there's been stands taken by the league, you know, uh, Napoli fans for a while couldn't come obviously in our away sector and vice versa. But again, we'll go back to where, yeah, where it started, you know, 85, 86, Juve won the title by six points. Napoli obviously was in third. And then the following year, they win their first Scudetto. And I believe they had beat Juve 3-1 that year. So it was kind of their coming out party. And Maradona's really, that's kind of the moment that really solidified Napoli. Um, Obviously, next year, they came second to Milan. Um, The following year after that, uh, they won their second Scudetto, but their only Scudetto. Um, and then they started a drastic decline. Um, and Maradona, as you said, was uh, a big part of that rivalry. He was especially vocal against Juve. Oh, and Italy as well. You look at the 90 World Cup, which was in Italy. He said Napoli is a different country. Yeah. And there was kind of a debate whether the Napoli fan, because the semifinal took place obviously in Napoli against Argentina and Italy. And um, there was kind of a debate on whether the, the, the Napoli fans were going to support who they were going to support, right? Yeah. And a lot of stuff was said, like negative stuff was said in the media, right? So you could even think discriminatory, discriminatory things were said in the media. But, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's different being obviously someone who wasn't born and lived in that, but... Um, but anyways, in the 90s, like they dropped off the map. 97, 98, they were relegated. Um, then they came back up in 99, 2000, relegated again the following year. And the funny thing is about this rivalry, which I, it's, it's strange. So obviously, Calciopoli happens, which was obviously bullshit. But that happens, and we go down to Serie B. Well, the team that comes up with us, that gets promoted is Napoli is one of the teams in 06, 07. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of eerily strange how that kind of happened at the same time. And then kind of things kicked off, right? We look at obviously in the 2012, let's, we'll get into the 2012 Coppa Italia final. We obviously mm-hmm. lose that game. Um, that was Del Piero's last game as well. Kind of a key, kind of key uh, game that maybe kickstarted, um, you know, uh, the rivalry there. Um, 2012-2013, Napoli finished in second, but I don't think there was a real... I mean, we finished with a nine-point gap to win the, the Scudetto. No real challenge. Which then put us in the Supercoppa Italia, Italiana, which we won 4-2 after extra time. That was, a, a again, it seemed like we were meeting them a, a lot in these different cup matches, right? Um, 2014, Napoli then wins the Supercoppa in on penalties, 6-5. Again, another close game. Um, and 15-16, I would think, is a is probably one of the biggest years of the rivalry. You know, Juve starts off horribly. We're down in 12th place. And I don't know if you can remember that. I think that's kind of the, the fans were... <laughs> that's kind of one of the times where the fans started losing. We were we were in chaos, but you know we yeah. come all, we come back 
all the way and we win the uh, the Scudetto with nine points. But With the uh, famous Sasa goal. Like exactly, that's what I was going to bring up. That was kind of like the dagger in the hearts. <laughs> and I think after that, it was essentially just, that was the game over right there is the Zaza winner. And yeah, that was a cra- that was a crazy game to watch. But um, yeah. yeah, and then I guess the, well, and then you got to think right the following year, 16-17. So after in that summer, Iguain, we, we, we go and pick up Iguain for a record free. And that's kind of when the, I guess, this regional discrimination kind of starts happening and the away fans are not allowed, allowed to travel. And um, uh, really the only kind of interesting thing that happened that year, um, I would say, was the, uh, the Coppa Italia semis. We played them. It was, uh, pretty interesting games. We beat them 3-1 at first and then they came back and beat us 3-2. Obviously, we went uh, through on aggregate. But, um, and then what else? Uh, let's go next year. Yeah. 17, 18. I think that's gotta be the closest title race, obviously barring them shitting the bed, uh, <laughs> after us being like horrible. Um, but yeah, 17, 18, where they lost it in the, in the hotel, as they like to say, um, with Napoli, uh, gold. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Napoli comes to Jay Stadium obviously April 22nd and they beat us one nothing with a uh, Kulabali uh, header uh, at the death and that I think was a pretty horrible moment um, for Juve fans obviously Napoli fans weren't even allowed to go if you were from Campania which is the obviously the region Napoli encompasses but um yeah, that was that was a pretty interesting year. Um, kind of a lot of fans were on edge if that was going to be it or not for us. But uh, and then obviously eighteen nineteen, Juve wins both games handily. Looking into this year, um, we won the first game four three at at home, which was kind of interesting because we were up three nil, and then they slowly came back, tied the game, and luckily we scored one at the end and then um then we lost to napoli 2-1 at the san paulo so those are just some things kind of you know discussing kind of where we've kind of clashed obviously there's more games and but i think kind of uh, what we looked at are some of the key moments uh obviously we scored i believe ronaldo scored in the 90th minute in january to kind of consolidate but it wasn't a great game uh from what i recall uh, Napoli kind of took it to us and obviously the season stopped because of COVID so that kind of gave us a, a, I guess hopefully, hopefully it, it, it looks like to be a good kind of stoppage where we can regroup but we'll see obviously in the next coming the coming months if that's true or not but um, so this game formations I know there's been kind of some things whirling you know about what it's going to be whether we're going to be playing with our favorite player, Kadir, or not, or if we're going to keep the same lineup. But uh, so a lot of sources are saying we're going to keep the same lineup. Um, Ronaldo obviously playing centrally. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think Kadir should be in the lineup with Bentancourt, obviously, as a regista? Or should we kind of go again with Pjanic and, as the regista and obviously Bentancourt as a mezzala? But I think actually the only difference is, sorry, is Cuadrado. 
being as the right back instead of Danilo would be the only yes. difference. Yeah, it seems like Danilo got a knock and he, he's not best fit to play in the pianist uh, subject. Uh, <laughs> for starters, uh, in last match, uh, in the formation announced by the Juventus official account, they, they trolled us a, bit, a little bit because they, they pu- pu- put the midfield as Betancourt in front of the, the defense and Matuidi yeah. and Pjanic playing as Metzala. And that I think happen. that's what... Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I for a little bit. For a little bit. But, but that's, I think that's what we all want to see. We want right. to see Pjanic play in a more offensive uh, position. Uh, if not, I guess uh, we, could, we, we should give Betancourt that spot. Yeah. Uh, he he's he did better against Inter in that spot that uh, Pjanic did against Lyon, which supposedly Inter is a better side than Lyon, and uh, he, he has already showed us for uh, around two three years that he is in up to part up to part to in that in that position. He is not a defensive midfielder. He is not a regista. So I think Sarri should move on from Pjanic in that spot. Even if that means Kedira coming in. <laughs> so, and then what do you think? What do you think about Pjanic as a Mezzala? Or obviously on the right side. I know me and Felix talked about it. And I don't know if you heard, but basically, we don't think he's kind of, we don't think he's capable of playing that. I mean, I think he just doesn't have the legs. I don't see Pjanic as a player that's going to be like making runs into the box and, you know, coming back and being like a workhorse kind of player. I just don't see it, you know. And I know a lot of people have been talking about. They're like, "Well, why don't they play him as a mezzala? Why don't they play him as a uh, trequartista?" But I just I don't see him being that guy to, you know, make the difference. Like I just it just doesn't. And who knows? I mean, obviously they could throw him in, but to me, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Juan Pablo? Yeah, oh, you're you're right on that on the physical level of Pjanic. He he's not suited for any physical task. He showed that <laughs> he doesn't have the legs. He doesn't have the body strength. If you if you would, uh, but uh, he he played more as a f- offensive player and as a Salah in, in Rome in Roma when he was there and and he performed better. That's why Juventus bought him in first right. place. But. Uh, I know he won't be a, a Vidal kind of style of player who who's going right. to run up and down the field as a Metzala, but I think he will be a kind of uh, well saving differences uh, kind of Xavi or Iniesta kind of Metzala where he he gets true balls to the to the attackers he gets a good passing to to Dybala and to Douglas right. to 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 build up the attack I think. It's worth a try. <laughs> he can do it better. He can do it worse. Sorry, than, than he's on the defensive midfield. So uh, I, I I'm scared every time he tackles. It's a potential booking. He does. He can tackle without making a fall. So well, and so like you I'm said, not... he can't do. He can do it better. Hopefully, than Kadira can do it. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that that's maybe yeah. the one. Maybe the one thing. But yeah, it's crazy. I mean. It's weird how we're get running into this problem, and we've had it. I mean, I, I would say since last year, 
because last year, I mean, he had, I, I was calling for his head to go over the <laughs> summer. It looked like we had, it looked like we had options, but I guess the club decided not to. I mean, it is what it is. Obviously, Sarri's been saying that Ronaldo's going to be playing centrally, so obviously Ronaldo probably going back on the right and cost on the left, but I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing. Um, yeah, it just seems like it's going to be a tough game if that's the case, because obviously they're not going to have uh, they're not going to have Costas Manolas in the lineup, Napoli or Kevin uh, Malquit. But uh, and obviously David Ospina has been suspended, so Meret will play in goal for them. But they'll still have Koulibaly at the back, um, and Maximovic, who's seemed like he's been playing well for, for Napoli. Um, obviously, some other players like uh, the only notable thing that I've had that was different was um, uh, his eye was reported to be on the left back. Someone also said that Mario Rui will be on the left back, so that's the only difference. Obviously, Di Lorenzo on the right, they're obviously going to be playing a 4 3 3. Obviously, I should mention that before. Um, but uh, and then again, some different midfield choices I've seen. Uh, one one had it Elmas as the left mid. One had it, uh, or sorry, one had it Elmas as the right mid. Also, someone else had Fabian Ruiz as the right mid. So, again, all of this is to change. We'll see tomorrow, obviously, before the match. Uh, I still, I don't see them playing necessarily any different than how we would see them. But, and then again, will Politano start over Callejon in this game? <laughs> Obviously, Calleon started on the bench, which with that weird-looking mustache. But <laughs> so I don't know if he'll have—I don't know how if he'll have the start or not. But um, that is all to be determined tomorrow. And then Demme will be playing in the the central role with Zielinski to his right or to his left. Excuse me, I did it again. Um, so <laughs> kind of let's look at the keys to the match. Um, I think for us. Uh, intensity, intensity, intensity. Just keep up the work rate. Keep making good passes. Keep kind of, you know, winning the ball back as quick as 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 we can, which which Sorry likes. You know, pressing. You know, the the closest players press whoever has the ball when we lose it. Win balls back. You know, circulate around if we have to cross it in. Obviously, work our winger or fullbacks. Excuse me, into the equation. And I think it's just, a, you know, good off the ball. You know, stop standing when you don't have the ball. We need good off the ball movement. That's going to be key, you know, because we still haven't scored. Again, we've come back and we haven't scored a goal, right? That's kind of a, a talking point that we had last last matches. You know, it would have been nice to get off the pine and get one on the scoreboard. But that obviously didn't happen. Um, and hopefully replicate the first 30 minutes. Those are the kind of three keys. Uh, replicate the first 30 minutes. Obviously, half of that was at even strength for the whole game. And I think if we could do that, we can. We're gonna win tomorrow. So, and if not, well, then we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what are your kind of thoughts on the keys to winning tomorrow's game? I th I think uh, in in the chance of getting repetitive, uh, the key will be main midfield. I think they have uh, on paper a stronger midfield than 
with the lineup, sincerely, yeah. <laughs> with with the lineups reported, uh, Fabian Ruiz is will be the best midfielder on the on the pitch, in my opinion. So, uh, I guess that I think that will be the key, the the midfield. If if the Juve midfield is not gonna show up uh, to to the to the standards, I guess the the defense and mainly the attack, as you said, that still hasn't scored in the first 90 minutes back to football, they're going to have to show up. Douglas, uh, Dybala and Ronaldo have need to show up. If Cuadrado and Bernardeschi are called upon, they need to show up. They need to show us what they, what they can bring to this end of the season uh, and show us if, if we're ready to, to win the Scudetto and challenge on the, on the Champions League. <laughs> like I said, I think the result we get tomorrow is going to affect really hard the mentality and the emotional factor of the team going through. Yeah, I agree, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think that you made a perfect point. And I've mentioned I mentioned it before the game against Milan. You got to get these games rolling. It's like a train. You got to get the you got to get the the wheels moving. And hopefully, you know, I think that's kind of what. Any team in this kind of era, if you want to call it, or this moment, is really banking off of, and that's why I think everyone is thinking Bayern is going to be is going to do so well because they got the wheels moving, right? They're moving forward, they're winning games, and you know when you can get these milestones, it's obviously a notch on your belt, but it's also you know gives you the motivation and you know that kind of happiness. Okay, we're doing well, right? Whereas, obviously, if you go in and you lose this game, sure, you might say, well, it doesn't really mean anything. It's only a Coppa Italia, whatever, you know, first two games back. But it, I think it definitely does play into the heads of the players, right? You know, because then it only goes, and then, okay, what happens if you lose the, the first game coming back? And then what happens if, you know, you get off to a rocky start? There's only so many games left, right? So... I agree with you 100% on that. It's This is going to be very important tomorrow to set a message, set the tone. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I think is capable of doing it. I just think that they need to perform. You know, Bentancourt, he had a great game, but when you only have one guy really doing it, you know, it's you're unbalanced, right? So it's... Uh, We'll see what happens, but I think, yeah, there's definitely opportunity for We're definitely a talented enough team. Um, now, let's get into depth. What do you think about, you know, there's been a lot of people saying, you know, we have depth, and I think that's true. I think we got bodies. Um, <laughs> now, when you look at the subs that were made, obviously, in the last game, you know, what are your thoughts, kind of, who we have coming off? You know, Rabio, I mean... Let's hear what you got to say. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna repeat <laughs> what I said. Let's hear what you got to say. Well, you as, as you said, we have numbers, but yeah, they have to. They have to put that numbers to 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 the result. Uh, you look to the bench, and although we have a lot of players, they they they're not as exciting to to come in. Like that was the player that excites me the most coming in. I guess it was. Bernardeschi, and that's saying that's saying a lot. <laughs> uh, are you a Bernard uh, off I, the rec off the record? Are you a Bernardeschi fan? <laughs> uh, 
I wish he could do better, but I'm not. I, I liked him when when here, but his inconsistency is 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 discouraging. It's really discouraging. And every time Rabiot Rabiot uh, enters the pitch, I'm hoping he can surprise us. He can he can shut our all of our mouths, but he never does that. He he's always uh, his attitude is what's worst. He doesn't move uh, like you said. People when they don't have when pl players don't have the ball, they just stand there. Uh, Rabiot is a personification of that of that mentality of that uh, desire. He if he gets a, a wrong pass, he he moans. He makes a, a face. Yeah. He, he doesn't recover fast, and I guess that's what gets you to to the top level, to the world class level. I guess that, I guess that's what gets you nine and a half million a year, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he was on about last game. That was just dreadful. And then yeah, I know there was a couple of people that were saying, you know, they they were impressed with Bernard Esky. Um and I, I just I just think it wasn't a hor I wouldn't say it was a horrible performance, but it was just a performance. You know, he did some really good things and then he would just do some really stupid things and you're just like no, just do the good things. Like you know, you we've we've seen moments where he's he's made good runs and he's made you know attacking plays, right? And obviously he had his game against Atletico, but I think it just comes down to you know, yeah, that attitude, and I guess what haircut he's he has during the show. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting because we're gonna need these, and hopefully, you know, we can get Ramsey back. I again, I don't see him coming in tomorrow. I don't see that. I don't see the the risk. You know, if even if he was, let's say. 80%, I still don't think you risk it. Just make sure, because again, he's another guy that's, you know, we got we got all these midfielders, and I would say he showed, you know, promise, Ramsey, but, you know, we got all these midfielders that are, like, injury-prone. So, it's... Uh, uh, we you, you're, you're almost forced to not, even if, let's say, you have a guy who's 80%, you almost don't want to, because there's too much ahead to, to worry Sorry. about. But... Anyways, Juan Pablo, what is your prediction? Let's just let's get it out there. We're, we're gonna oh. everyone everyone in the chat's gonna hold you to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the, the the most difficult part of the of the conversation. That's why uh, I, that's well, why I also that's why I also asked you about Bernard Esky because we got to make our <laughs> list on because you know that's what that's what being a Juve fan is. Who's who's the this fan? Who's the, yeah who the guy who doesn't so. I'm already, I'm already um, for this for disclaimers. I'm already on the not not the Ramsey fan. <laughs> oh, there you go. Whatever. I mean, I'm, <laughs> like I said, I've I've famously said he's uh, gla Mr. Glass knees. So I agree. I thought it was you know everyone was talking about free transfers, but you know you're spending seven million a season. That's a lot of money. He and, doesn't play. Yeah. And a guy who's not playing again, what can you do, right? So. But anyways, without further ado, let's hear that. Let's hear that. Let's hear that prediction. I'm, I'm gonna go with the optimistic one. I'm gonna go for a three-one. Okay, three-one. With us winning, I was thinking about the two-one, but I guess uh, if we if we can get the first one, I think we can get uh, a couple of goals. Uh, that's what I thought about Milan. I think that if the penalty went in, we could easily won three-nil. 
But yeah. if we don't get the first one, we're not going to score in the whole night. <laughs> so <laughs> if we get the first one, I, I believe a true one is, is possible. And who's scoring for you? Hmm. Well, you're, you're always going to have to bank on CR7. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know after last game. <laughs> yeah, no. That, maybe that's what makes him stronger, right? It's proving everyone wrong. Seems exactly. like that's what fuels him up. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, not my favorite guy, but with a Bonucci goal. Okay. He, he puts he the green time. And okay. I'm going to go with uh, a Dybala goal as well. I, I'm thinking they, they're going to let him get uh, try on a free kick and, and score a goal. Yeah, well, he did have... Um, I know Al was brought it up, and I I obviously went to go look back on it, but uh, if you looked at last game, Donnarumma was kind of like heavily staying towards the one side, so he could have actually easily have put one in on the, on the near post uh, a couple times, actually, uh, that we had free kicks, but obviously it didn't work. For me, my first game logic was I always put... I always put goals against us and that never happened. We were always putting clean sheets somehow. So I put the two zero last game again. Like you said, I agree. I think if any one of those goal, if, if a goal had gone in, I think we could have easily hit scored. It was just, a, it was just an up that we weren't capitalizing on, on them not having a, a guy on the pitch. So that's kind of how it was. Um, I think, yeah, I'm going to go two one. Obviously, winning the 14th Coppa Italia. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, Ronaldo definitely is watching the show. So, uh, definitely <laughs> gave him a one star last one out of 10 last game. So, hopefully, that's going to give him, like you said, the motivation. Uh, I think he's going to get one goal. I think Dybala is going to get another goal. I don't know how, but I think it's going to be 2 1. I think, like you said, it's going to be two attacking teams. So, I think if we start getting into teams, uh, start scoring, I think we're going to be going back and forth. Uh, and whoever's going to make, obviously, the least mistakes, but uh, is going to prevail. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was even more than that. But who knows? Juve will probably go and play a stinker 0-0 or something like that, or like <laughs> a 1-0 or something. But hopefully not. Let's be optimistic. Even if I think we're going to lose, I would still pick a winning score because... Always. <laughs> I don't think, uh, I don't know why you, I mean, sure, okay. There, there's been plenty of times where I was like, yeah, we're probably going to lose to Atletico second leg. But, you know, you got to be optimistic. Let's let's see this thing out, boys. So, yeah, um, I think uh, that's, uh, I think we did a pretty thorough job there. Um, so something I usually do at the end, I obviously, sorry, guys, I didn't have enough time to grab questions from the viewers, but... Uh, that can be, we'll look into that obviously after the game tomorrow. Um, something that I do obviously now is called Allo Stadio or at Torino. Unfortunately, you haven't been to the stadium yeah. or, which is not a big deal. We hoped that you get to be, uh, get to go there as, as soon as possible because it's an unreal experience. Like I always say, um, but let's just get into some memorable Juve moments. Kind of did the same thing last time with Felix. Um, What's kind of like, let's bring back the nostalgia. What are some of the most memorable moments? I mean, obviously, there's, we've had lots. We've won the Scudetto eight, eight years in a row. But <laughs> so, uh, obviously, Felix talked about uh, 2011, 2012, kind of the inauguration of the stadium. But um, yeah, floor is yours. Anything you want to bring up, it's all on you. 
Thanks. Uh, well, my my best recent memories with with Juventus uh, mostly come with one of my all time favorite players, which it was uh, the Principino Marquisio. Okay. He, I'm I'm a loyal fan of him, and his 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 awesome goal against Inter at Juve Stadium, where he he left Julio Cesar on the floor with uh, two touches. That was unreal, man. Unreal. I mean, thinking, but yeah, that's been, that was actually kind of right before everything kind of kicked off. uh, Those are really, that was pretty much probably the only real good moments we really had during those times. So, you know, I remember, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before and uh, Adam Digby before one of the uh, Derby d'Italia's was like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm just like, what? You you wrote a, a, a book about Juve's history and you're telling me that that game doesn't mean anything just because of how far apart we were? I'm like, no, 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 no. That is Always not... Nice. We want to crush those those bastards anytime. No anytime. I don't care if it's a summer friendly. I don't care if it's, you know, on the street. I don't care wherever the hell the game is. We want to kill those guys. But yeah, that was honestly unbelievable how he cut pass one defender and then just like somehow chips it over that was unreal man unreal but yeah, yeah. he was such a great player um marquisio i honestly i was unfortunate enough i think he i think he got injured right before i went to the stadium so i didn't get to see him play live i got to see Gigi, which was obviously awesome and obviously bbc but um yeah man anything else? i mean what do you think about how he kind of let he obviously wasn't given the time. I, I don't want to stir up too many bad things right now before <laughs> this game. But you know, what yeah. are your thoughts on how he left? It was heartbreaking, heartbreaking, really. And that's something that most of us Juventini don't understand yet. That's why he was pushed out the door and Cadero was renewed. But yeah, sometimes things don't go as we want. Yeah, and a lot of fans like to try and say Cadero was somehow playing better, but. I don't know if you watched the preseason uh, games, and I believe he featured in all of them. And he actually looked really good. I know he got hurt when he went to, obviously, when he played for Zenit, but he was actually looking like a pretty key piece in the midfield. And I was actually looking forward. And then um, I believe I was at work, and it just started blowing. My phone was blowing up. Twitter was blowing up. That they had mutually agreed to uh, cancel his contract, but I was just like, damn. Like, not even the first game, like the last game before the season starts. Yeah. That's that's savage. Like, I don't know. To be able to do that <laughs> and not like somehow there be a riot, I I don't I don't know how that was how how that was even a and it's just weird with legends. You know, I think I'm going to have, yeah. uh, you know, when I get some time, obviously there's going to be lots to talk about from now until probably even next summer. But um, when I get some time or there's a little bit of a lull, I think I want to kind of go over uh, talking about the legends, how certain players were honored and try and get as much inf- information as possible. So, and kind of just, you know, replay the story for any fans. You know, there's a lot of new fans, you know. We went from what was it, eight million to or four million? million. To, yeah, so 
eight to 40 million. So there's a lot of fans out there not necessarily knowing kind of some of the things that have happened to our legends. And, you know, that I think is going to be kind of a perfect topic to bring up in the future. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much, uh, Juan Pablo, for coming on. I know this was, I was looking. Um, Michael, unfortunately, couldn't go. But, yeah, I appreciate you coming, stepping up to the plate. And, uh, again, uh, great guest to have on. Um, I'm, again, just trying to look for some new new fans, different different opinions, different approaches. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on again. Um, I look forward to seeing you on again in the future, if you would uh, like to. And, um, yeah, I uh, appreciate you. Appreciate Thanks coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It will be a pleasure to come back. Awesome to hear. And just some closing remarks, guys. Um, obviously, my personal uh, Twitter, Instagram, at uh, Daniel Negro, which I'm trying to... It's kind of weird how the app works. If I have my notification set up that it'll like switch between. So if you've ever wondered why I'm like suddenly tweeting with one account and then tweeting with another <laughs> account, it's not my fault. It's just a notification has come up from whatever account. And then I just, I see something and I go, but anyways, for the main content of this channel, this podcast, uh, at Juventinita, D-A-L, on Twitter and Instagram. Obviously, you can find this podcast on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. And uh, yeah, just keep, keep, uh, keep your eyes open on Twitter for the links as soon as they're available. And um, yeah, I'm hoping to get this up tonight. And uh, yeah, definitely have a post game after the game uh, tomorrow. Uh, obviously, another great UV fan. Another, uh, we're going to keep, another, we're going to have another rookie on the show. Uh, on the show so that's going to be awesome. Um, but stay tuned and always fino alla fine, forza Juventus. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.